We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. This um, second part of the davening, part of the prayer service this morning, the learning as we open up our sacred literature, returning again and again, year in and year out, in the spiral of learning as we touch the same stories but touch them differently. Our archetypal mythology, our mythology, our stories of how how to be human, how to navigate life. Torah is our resource guide, our dear Abby, weekly giving us wisdom, sacred, dear Abby, our holy, our holy source of good advice. There was a young uh, girl here last night whose Arabic name Nisya meant good advice, right? So she was here with her mother. And we talked about Eitzah Tova. This year, we, are, um, we have always done this, but the open up, meaning the first of the three readings that we'll be offering this morning, is open for anyone to come up. Meaning, we'll do some teaching and learning together, and nonetheless, uh, even though we'll be doing learning together, we are going to pray it together as well. So if you feel called to come forward and to stand with Torah, that is open uh, for you to come up, open up. We also open up in our Chumashim to page 30 in your red Bible, known as a Chumash, a fiver, a five book, a Pentateuch. The uh, page is page 30, the chapter is chapter 5, and the verse is verse 1. Page 30, chapter 5, verse 1, right there on the top of the page. Now, in future weeks, we're going to have a full source sheet for you to take a look at as we'll learn sources together that will open up what we're about to read. I have sources here, but for the moment I just want to just give some background as our first reading of the year. We follow a triennial reading, which means that we divide each week's portion into three parts, finishing the entire Torah every three years. Some do the whole Torah every year. That would be a very long reading, and our intention with this is that you will walk out with at least one piece of Torah in your back pocket that you might live with. Instead of having uh, a torrential, right, here's the Torah, here's all of it, and go home and make of it what you will, we're just going to give one little piece and hope that that little piece is something important enough that it might, it might teach us all something and also give us some way to live. We're going to start on chapter 5, but just so you know, just to get you up to speed on the first four chapters, the world is created. It takes... Six days and then a seventh day. God shows God's self to be um, a very early expression of the book of tidying that came out by that woman a couple of years ago, being very organized and very tidy. Things are placed in their categories and in their boxes. And God also shows God's self to be someone or some being that needs rest. After six days of work, there's a need for rest. Chapter 2 brings us another creation story with a garden in it, of Eden, 
Aden of pleasure, pleasure garden. A garden with trees and responsibilities for the human beings who are created again in chapter 2 who are invited to take responsibility for the garden. We know what happens in the garden with a certain fruit from a certain tree. And chapter 3 will bring us um, into contact with another part of our sacred story, the story of um, chapter 4 is Cain and Abel. Chapter 3, I'm getting this right, one second, is the snake story. And the, um, the hiding and the God question, Ayeka, where are you? Chapter 4 will bring us fratricide, Cain and Abel. And then chapter 5 will be a bridge chapter between the stories of Adam and his two children, Cain and Abel, Adam and Chava, earthling and life force, that's their Native American names. Adam means earthling, and Chava, his wife, means not Eve, but life force. Eve means life force. Their children, Cain and Abel, Cain and Hevel. And now chapter 5 is a bridge to Noah, who's the next great protagonist in the Bible. It serves to teach us the genealogy of the ten generations between Adam and Noah, whom we'll meet in full view next week. And as such, it's a kind of chapter that one would read over very quickly. Right? It's kind of like, and these are the generations of Adam. This person begat this person, and they lived for a ridiculous number of years. This person lived, right, and then a ridiculous number of years, right? Ten generations of longevity, genealogy. But the first verse, which you can read with me, and the second verse become... a part of our people's sacred gift to the world and to ourselves. Zesefer Toldot Adam. This is the record, I'm reading now on page 30, this is the record of Adam's line. The word Sefer is book in Hebrew, Sefer. Toldot from the word birthing, laledet. These are the birthings or the genealogy. The Yom, on the day, on the very day when God creating, created Elohim, name of God, Adam, this earthling, in the image of Elohim, in the image, in the dmut of Elohim, God made him. Male and female created them, were they created? Vayivarechotam and blessed them. We don't know what the blessing was. Vaykra et Shmam and called their name Adam. They were called Adam. All of them. All of the genus of Adam. We are all Adamites. Beyom Hibaram. And then is in a perfect enveloping of these two verses. The verse began with on the day of creating them. Beyom Biro. And the verse 2 as a kind of a beautiful ending, we'll say, Biyom Hibaram, on the day of their having been created. These two incredibly powerful and chock full verses are the opening to a very seemingly monotonous listing of generations. And as I said last night, this verse, verse 1, becomes a part of a second century debate that has implications for us. 
The great rabbi, Rabbi Akiva and Ben Azai, another great rabbi, had a debate. And the debate went something like this. What is the core essential on one leg, on one foot, give it to me in an elevator, what is the core principle of Jewish life? What's the Klal Gadol Torah, the great general principle of Torah, the golden rule, if you will, or the maxim? Can I say that today, Karen? What is the great rule? Rabbi Akiva went straight for what we all know is the golden rule. Anybody want to say it to me, paraphrase it? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's an interesting way. Of, that's an interesting one. Anybody? That's, that's it. But what's the biblical phrase? Love your neighbor as your? That's Rabbi Akiva. Greatest sage of the Talmudic period. That's big stuff. That's like quoting the biggest sage of the Talmudic period. <laughs> but Ben Azai disagrees with him. Ben Azai says, no... The greatest principle, the greater principle, is this verse. Zes Sefer Toldot Adam. And we discussed this in the open book. What's the nature of their debate? What's this debate all about? Where do we want to go with it? So, I'm opening it up. This open up to all of you. Let me frame this debate clearly for all of us so that we might get wisdom from it. Not just an, it's not an intellectual exercise. What is the fundamental difference between these two positions and the verses that they quote? In this corner, Rabbi Akiva, the greatest of all Talmudic scholars of the second century, about all of rabbinic Judaism, what we do today is impacted by his opinions he says the general principle around which everything can fall, the spine of Jewish life, is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Quoted from the book of Leviticus, it's in Vayikra. It's a part of an ethical code given to the Israelites when they had come out of Egypt already, just to give you the chronology. That's here in this corner. Everybody got that? And in this corner, I don't know, I didn't plan this, but here's Ben-Azai. Here's Ben-Azai, notably not a rabbi, He's known as the son of Azai, not Rabbi Ben-Azai. Ben-Azai. He says, I have a Klal Gadol Mizah. I have a greater principle than that. And that is from chapter 5 of the creation story. And this is the generations of human and humanity. On the day of God's creating them, God created them in God's image. Who agrees and wants to argue Rabbi Akiva's perspective? And who would like to take on Ben Azai's? Assuming that they are different positions. Because in the way that Ben Azai says it in the teaching, it says, Gadol Yoter. It says it's a greater principle. Actually, it says that. We didn't see it this morning, but it says it in another place. So who would like to be speaking on behalf of Rabbi Akiva? Anybody? Linda, if you can stand up and speak for Ben Azai, go ahead. You can, don't worry, you don't have to wear your tallit, just stand up so everybody can see you and, um, and speak loudly if you can. So you just also, in your teaching, just erase the duality between Ben Azai and Rabbi Akiva. 
So you just gave two teachings that were one teaching that erased the two that was really one. That was amazing. Linda, that was amazing. So basically, Linda said that as a Jew and as a, someone who knows Buddha teaching, Jewishly, she understands that Ben Azai is speaking on behalf of all human beings, saying every human being is descendant of, a descendant of the holy. And that the truth is that maybe Rabbi Kiva is also saying the same thing. It just depends on how you define neighbor. If your neighbor is other, instead of seeing your neighbor as self. And then, in some sense, both of these teachings are really one. Well done. <laughs> Would anybody like to argue on behalf of Rabbi Kiva? And I'm holding out for a, ben, a Rabbi Kiva, Nick. Okay, Sam, are you going to do Rabbi Kiva? You sure? Okay, so if you can stand up so we can hear you. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, says Rabbi Kiva. That's the most important principle. Why? So, 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 ben, so, so a deep psychological insight from Sam Beller is that loving your neighbor as you love yourself predicates loving the neighbor as you love yourself and that you do love yourself. Or that the way that you love yourself, you should love your neighbor. Which also is fraught. Like, how do you love yourself? Or that, which is why we get, right, what is hateful unto you, don't do unto another person, is a, is a better way of saying it, right? That became the more, the negative formulation in Joseph Solushkin's work, also ethics, right? Instead of thinking in the more, in the agentic or positive, like, hey, I'm going to love you the way I love yourself. How about whatever I find hateful, I won't do to you. That'll limit the sphere. But in some way, to begin with the self and then worry about, Right, how it manifests in the world. And maybe Rabbi Kiva is saying back to Ben Azai, that's a really nice idea that all of us are from, right, descended from, from the divine, but that still doesn't tell me how I'm supposed to act towards them. I want to be Ben Azai for a second. So Ben Azai would say back to Rabbi Kiva, well, it's all fine and good, love your neighbors, you love yourself, but that's really a dangerous position because what if your neighbor is only your Jewish neighbors or your democratic neighbors? or you're the ones who are in your family or in your state. What's your neighbor, Akiva? Am I your neighbor, Akiva? My name is Ben Azai. I'm not a rabbi like you, but am I part of your imagined world? What if I look different? What if I'm uh, like a person of color or we have different class structures? Or what, what's my neighbor? Love my neighbors, love myself. That's really a nice maxim, but I can imagine people really defining that term neighbor narrowly, Akiva. And maybe Akiva would say back. I'm not really worried about that, Ben Azai, because, um, you know, I also came from the outside. I was also an outsider. I didn't start learning and becoming a rabbi until I was 40. I know what it's like to be on the outside. So I, I really think that we're not necessarily disagreeing, but I, here's my thing to you, Ben Azai. If you're so universal, who are you going to love? Who are you going to love? Are you going to love everybody equally? Were you Peter Berger? I mean, or Peter Singer? What, 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 are you, gonna, you have to love locally even if you believe universally I want where's the rubber gonna meet the road anybody else want to get in on this I'm having a wonderful conversation yes yes Anna so for Anna Levy Lyons the teaches us that if you're asking about Judaism Judaism is a behavioral system and Rabbi Kiva is decidedly in a right that is an a commandment, Viahafta is a commandment, love your neighbor, even though it's a love, that is, it's a feeling, it's kind of like, how does that unpack, but feeling, love your neighbor as you love yourself, in action, presumably, that's kind of, but, and it's not 
about a theology of human worth and human dignity and human value. This is walking it. This is thinking it. This is the Jewish principle. And it's interesting that the rabbis placed them in a debate in, in the actual sources. There, it seemed to be two different conversations, but they're talking about a principle. But again, this is your opinion. I love it. I'm going to rabbi Judith and then, yeah. So, so I want to just lift up also, this is clearly like two different rows in the pews but, and two different opinions, um, which is good. I like that. Your opinion is that Ben-Azai's position, which is root the infinite worth and the love in, right, in an original source, is, is really our fundamental tenet. If we remember that, keep that in front of our eyes at all moments, that will influence our behavior. And what's interesting just that emerges from what you're saying too, just to bring this clearly, God says, I am God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, it's a commandment that doesn't necessarily make a claim on why you should love your neighbor as yourself. It's just because God said so. And what Ben-Azai seems to be saying is, is that whether or not you believe in God or what your God is or how many of them and right, he, she, it, that, whatever, this is something that confers with absolute power a worth on the human being that I think is trying to be borne out. Like there's something, it's not just about behaviorism, it's like it has to be rooted in a, in a worth statement, a value statement. Okay, anyway, yeah, behind, yes. Stacy. So, so is it which? Right. So, fundamental question. At least what's just been unpacked in the last fifteen or twenty minutes now, fifteen minutes, is that there's a lot in these two verses, right? Is it action? Is it thought? Is it abstract? Is it fundamental? Is it is it behavioral? What's first? fake it till you make it, behaviorally just love and then you'll see, or do you need to actually have an underpinning there? What, um, what, what, we, what, we, what we see here very clearly though, and this is really important, is that the, that the genealogy and that the continuity, the, the sense of the future is rooted, right? The sense of what's coming in the future and what unites us, right, to keep going. The whole chapter is about children and about generations, about unfolding, about eros, as it's expressed in humans, is rooted here, at least in these two verses, in seeing all human beings, or seeing the human form before Judaism itself. What's remarkable about Ben-Azai's principle is that it's not, he doesn't quote a verse from the Jewish part of the Bible. The Jews are not a people yet. Moses hasn't, you know, there's no us. It's just, we're all human. My friend Claudia Gonzalez-Romo is working at the UN with, with a whole campaign, we're all human. Like the deep structure is, is human. So in whichever way, shape, or form this appears, I'm going to take two more, or two more moments here. And then I'm going to make call an aliyah for those who are in this morning. But I wanted some people, I didn't move at all towards the side of the room. So I wanted to, yeah, in the back, yeah. So that's, so you harmonizing, I love it. So harmonizing, a harmonizing opinion. Last, last, 
voice here, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, so you're flipping Rabbi Akiva. You're saying, instead of love your neighbor as you love yourself, love yourself as you love your neighbor. It's a very powerful flip, right? It's very beautiful. Olivia, one second, please, Olivia. So love your neighbor as you love yourself. You're, love yourself as you love your neighbor. So we have to come in for a landing. We've been going on for 15, 20 minutes now with the open up. So here, here's the, the, the call. And again, here's what's beautiful about Torah. It's not going anywhere. Right? It's not going anywhere. There are a lot of opinions. Of, I'm so happy it got juicy. But we, um, we're going to come in for a landing here. And this morning is dedicated to Ben Azai. For all the Rabbi Kivaniks, I love you. But this morning, in the way that I was thinking about this morning for a long time, and especially given the latest developments in our country, as we become more and more partisan. I mean, I don't know how we can become more partisan than we are right now, actually. So we're not becoming more and more partisan. We are divided. We are a country divided. Period. Right? There's no question. Not only is are we, we are a house divided, we are a polity divided, we are a gender divided, we are divided on so many things. And I think that at this moment, Ben Azai really touched my heart. I really loved Ben Azai. Because... I identified with Ben Azai's desire to remind us of the thing that unifies us. And maybe it's, you know, a quality in me that wants to say we shall overcome. We shall overcome our divisions. We shall overcome our differences. We shall overcome on some level. But I wanted to lift up Ben Azai this morning. And not to put Rebbe Kiva down, or not even to say that we don't have to love ourselves as we love our neighbor, or love our neighbor as we love ourselves, neither one. But to say these two verses are essential when we start thinking about where we're going in the future. Right? The beginning of the genealogy, the beginning of the text, like where are we going in the next ten generations begins with how we introduce the next ten generations. We can introduce them just saying, like, here's the biological imperative that just manifested itself in humans. They created 10 next generations. But when I think about my own three boys and how I'm raising them, when I think about friends who came over last night and said how scary it is for them to be raising girls at this moment in this country, when I think about the next generations and about what I want to see personally through my own heart, a world where every human being is created with inf- is treated with infinite dignity because we are all a part of one family, not different tribes, but one family. I wanted to lift Ben Azai up here this morning and to tell his story. So if you are this morning feeling very much like you are in the Ben Azai camp, I invite you for this open up to come stand with the Torah for the first Aliyah of Genesis of this year. Please come forward for the open up. <laughs>